0: Oh no! The internet's out! Where's my Netflix? My phone doesn't work! What am I going to do? Help!
1: Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. That was the sound of a boomer in pain. Why? Because her digital technology doesn't work suddenly. You'll find out why soon. But first, let me ask you a rude question. How old are you? Are you of a certain age? Do young people laugh at you when you write a text on your phone, as you carefully tap out the letters using your index finger, your brow furrowed with concentration, as you try to spell each word correctly, and while you ignore all those suggested words your phone offers with split-second regularity? Well, if you are one of those people, you are probably a proper boomer. And in this podcast, we're going to bring you both encouragement and potential pain in equal measure, which you feel depends on your attitude to young people and technology.
0: Oh yes, you see, Jack's mum agrees with me. You teens are just useless. You're always on your phones and you can't do anything practical. See, Maisie's mum agrees with me on Facebook. Mum said three laughing my asses off on WhatsApp. Your generation can't make your way out of a
1: paper bag without Google Maps. Hmm, you may have said something like that to your own teenage children or grandchildren, or at least thought it, as they seem to float around like digital zombies. But aren't we all guilty of doing the same? Hasn't digital technology made us all useless with our practical skills withering on the vine, or at least the internet? What would happen if, suddenly, anything and everything digital just, well, stopped working? How would the generations cope? Would one cope better than the other? And mechanical technologies would probably be critical again, wouldn't they? In that case, those residual mechanical and analogue skills we used to have might come in extremely useful. To explain how that might come to pass, I'm on the line with Cora Mandel, the 18-year-old daughter of the woman you heard ranting at the top of this podcast. Cora, is your mum okay?
2: She's recovering from the loss of her digital life.
1: Okay. well, I know you're going to explain just how that happened in a bit. But tell us why you're interested in the possibility that everything digital could just stop.
2: Because I got sick of my mum saying I was on my phone too much, and I had no practical skills, and all the while she was like, on her devices just as much as I was. And that's a paradox. Boomers look down on Gen Zs while Gen Zs dismiss boomers. And, and they, we are all on the same technology, like, all the time.
1: Well, the one thing that annoys me is when my son says, OK, boomer, when I ask something seemingly stupid about what he's doing on tiktok or when i suggest that he spends a little less than 18 hours on his xbox okay boomer he says
2: yeah that happens way too much i wanted to find a way to take the sarcastic okay boomer and add something positive to it because there really is no point calling out your generation for not knowing stuff about technology or how gen z social media works so
1: it's not just about the technology then
2: no, no, no. It's about attitudes, too. I mean, I mean, when a boomer says, why are you always looking at your phone? The easy answer for us is, OK, boomer. And that's to say, you don't understand that this is where we interact with our friends now, and it's not like in your day when you talked to your neighbours over the fence or went down to the cafe or the pub or the social club.
1: But you still go out to see your friends, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, of course we do. But But actually... My idea isn't really about making comparisons between your generation and mine. It's about how tenuous all of our digital lives are. The point is, there's not actually that much difference between Gen Zs and Boomers.
1: You're right in terms of the present, but your project revealed a distinct advantage for my generation, for the Boomers.
2: Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's good news for boomers because my point is that it wouldn't take much for my generation's supposed advantage with technology to just totally disappear.
1: Disappear, vanish? How is that possible?
2: Because of a solar flare.
1: A solar flare.
2: Okay, I'd better explain. Uh, The first day of my technological history course, my professor Ah
1: Lucas Duke. Yes, yes, I know him very well.
2: Yeah, um, Professor Duke handed out a series of what-if projects.
1: What-if projects.
2: Yeah, uh, what if the phonograph hadn't been invented? What if the first iPhone had been a total flop? That kind of thing. And what what if did you get? What if a Carrington event happened in 2021? A
1: Carrington event?
2: That's where the technological history comes in. The Carrington event happened in 1859. It it was a huge solar storm, a a storm on the sun. It resulted in a vast solar coronal mass ejection which battered the Earth's magnetosphere and generated a global geomagnetic storm. It it was, it's believed the biggest event of its kind to affect modern industrial and technological humanity.
1: Well, these storms happen quite often, don't they? I mean, in galactic time, at least.
2: Sure, there are solar flares and storms all the time, but mostly they're small. They don't have that much influence on us, but every 500 years or so, there are these huge storms. And when they happen, you can see the northern lights at the equator and that kind of thing.
1: But the world of 1859 wasn't a society like ours.
2: Well, No, but it was a technological society. An increasing number of places had rudimentary electric power. You had railroads, you had the telegraph, which has been called the Victorian Internet. Uh, they, They were laying telegraph cables under the seas. They were putting thousands of telegraph poles across Britain and America and lots of other rapidly developing countries. Imagine all of those crisscrossing wires pulsing with electric messages. It, it was a tech that transformed the world.
1: OK, I, I get it. Sure. I mean, you're right. So so what did the solar flare do to that Victorian world?
2: Well, for a few hours, it turned upside down. A barrage of charged particles raced through space and telegraph systems sparked, literally, literally sparked. There there were telegraph operators who got shocks and burns on the night of September 1st and early morning of September 2nd, 1859.
1: Why was it called the Carrington event?
2: It was named for a British astronomer, Richard Carrington. He was tracking a sunspot when he saw the coronal ejection. It happened right before his eyes. Well, uh, through his telescope. It was an intense white light which flared for around five minutes and then just completely disappeared.
1: So we literally saw it happen.
2: Yeah, he did. I I I mean, now we've got sophisticated instruments constantly watching the sun, so we'll get an early warning if that happens again, but there's nothing we can really do about it. Nothing, except switch stuff off.
1: Well, how long did it take for the effects to be seen, or, I mean, felt, on Earth?
2: About 18 hours. And like I said, there were aurora seen around the world. A bright green curtain was said to have appeared above Cuba. And miners working in the rocky mountains were woken by a strange light glowing in the skies. It it must have been really weird. Okay, so, I
1: mean, for most people, it would have been spooky or alarming, but, but life would have gone on as it was before, right?
2: yeah unless you wanted to send a telegram or were in one of those early places to be connected to power generation,
1: so not much happened.
2: well, there were sparks all along the lines and and fires started but but yeah it was it was a curious event, but the world's infrastructure was well compared to ours, very primitive
1: so what what is the focus of your what if project?
2: Uh, I imagined it happened now like like tomorrow,
1: same kind of solar storm and mass coronal ejection you mean
2: yeah, but what would happen if if right now the storm reached its peak and blasted all that energy our way.
1: What, chaos, I'd
2: imagine? More than chaos. Our world as we know it would stop functioning completely. The GPS would stop, planes would fall out of the sky, all communication systems would go down, the power grids of all countries would fail. We'd, we'd be thrown back to not just pre-digital age, but a pre-electric one too.
1: Well, that sounds scary.
2: Yeah, sure it does. But then I thought, how would we recover? How would, how would we cope? How would we do those small human things we take for granted, like sending messages to each other, writing our essays, or, or even just writing a simple poem?
1: Well, you'd have to uh, pick up a pen and write on a piece of paper.
2: Yeah, and maybe start to learn what your generation had to learn, like using a typewriter. We'd be back to mechanical technology instead of digital or, or electrical tech.
1: Well, typewriters used to be electric too, you know.
2: Okay, boomer, I know that. (laughs) I'm talking about mechanical typewriters and and that would mean my generation would have to learn how to replace a typewriter ribbon and how to use carbon paper and and even, even how to call people up on a rotary dial phone, a mechanical phone.
1: Oh, right. Now I see your point. Instead of boomers having to ask your generation how something works, your generation will have to ask boomers how stuff works. And that's because that knowledge and those skills are still present in our minds and our muscle memories, right?
2: Totally right. That knowledge is still there in your generation. And yes, the tables will be turned and kids my age will be asking boomers for advice about how to do well, almost everything.
1: But aren't you trivialising the effects such a solar storm would have? I mean, the world's economy would be decimated, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, but our generation has to face the effects that the COVID-19 pandemic has had on the economy. So so thinking about what might happen after a modern-day Carrington event isn't so, you know, so out there. It, it's going to be tough for us whatever happens. Good point. What I'm doing is looking at small effects to make a point, which is that we're just a few hours away from losing everything we take for granted, So it isn't worthwhile thinking about technology as a generational thing. It's about sharing our knowledge and expertise across generations in an open and non-judgmental way. So what did you do? I decided to live for a month without electricity and without anything digital. Nothing digital at all. A month? It's estimated that if a solar storm is big, then most countries could be without power for anything from from two weeks to two years.
1: OK, so a month isn't so bad. Uh, and, well, you didn't leave home, I suppose. I mean, that's why your mum got nervy, right?
2: Yeah. To achieve the right effect, I sort of.
1: Well, um. Well, what did you do?
2: Uh, sabotaged the electrics, stole her tech, got my dad to play along.
1: Well, enterprising and brave.
2: And I had help from my uncle Denzel.
1: Who is a boomer too.
2: Oh, a double boomer. He is much older than my mum, so he's peak boomer.
1: So pretty old.
2: Old Oldish, as he says. He told me to write a short poem or an essay that sums up my experience of a non-digital world, but do it without a PC, a spell checker, the internet, a printer or a scanner or any kind of suggested word generator. I wanted to take four copies of what I'd written into class, so how could I do that? Uncle Denzel showed me. It, It was a revelation. I felt... I felt, like, alive. Why? I think it's because nothing... Nothing was on a screen. There was just no screens. Those saturated colours, those apps begging for your attention, the little numbers saying you've got texts and tweets and Snapchats and Instagrams and TikTok videos and, and your eyes constantly scanning up and down, across and sideways and the, and the pings and the bleeps and the buzzes and just... Suddenly everything was was quiet. Well,
1: oh, sounds blissful.
2: It was. It It, it is.
1: And your uncle Denzel helped you escape that digital world.
2: Yeah, we imagined the solar flare and we... Oh, look, I, I recorded some of our conversations.
1: Recorded them? I thought you avoided technology.
2: I used an old tape recorder, a cassette tape recorder, battery operated. If a solar flare hits, then we still have stocks of batteries, you know, AA and AAA and those, those, those big chunky ones.
1: Nine volt batteries.
2: Yeah, yeah, those.
1: Right, well, I, I see your point. Well... Here are what we would call the OK Boomer tapes with Uncle Denzel. Yeah, and
2: I recorded my mum too.
1: Oh, of course, yes, yes. Which is why we have those great clips of her getting angry.
2: Yeah, when she gets angry, she gets angry. (laughs) I put together a little audio montage for my project.
1: OK, well, let's hear it.
3: Cora, but she has to get through the digital cold turkey. She'll be fine. Not going on Facebook will do her no end of good. You know, I can't wait for the solar flare. Suddenly, anyone who has a stock of wind-up technology is going to be powerful. That is me. <laughs> oh, and having a garage full of batteries is also going to be good too. So, you're using my old binatone cassette recorder It's simple, only a few moving parts and the tape is magnetic. Ah, would the solar flare render it useless? Hmm, I don't know. Not my problem, that's for you to work out. (laughs) Let's say in this scenario it keeps working. Okay, so you record the tape, then you rewind the tape, then you play it. If you want to make sure it's not recorded over and my immortal words are lost, Then you break the tiny tabs on the top of the cassette. There are two of them. It's simple. She's right, it does take, not forever, but a while. But you can think about what you're going to say, or if you're angry, as Moira often is, you can calm down and then be nice to the person you're calling. And your memory will get some exercise because you'll have to remember numbers, or at least look them up before you call. Naturally, all smartphones and cell phones won't work, but the landlines might, or they should.
0: How am I going to get to my appointments in the They're
3: confusing! Want to get somewhere? You'll need a map. You fold it out and you find where you are now and the point where you want to go. Then you plot it out in your hand, trace the route with your fingertip and then walk. Or take the bus. Or in my case, go by roller skates.
0: Use an encyclopaedia. I took that down to
3: the charity shop years ago. Want to find stuff out? Use a book. Look up something in an encyclopaedia. Go to a library. There's nothing like leafing through a big chunky volume sitting at a table. to write a letter, or an essay, or a poem? Get some paper. Put a piece of carbon paper behind it, then add another piece of paper and roll it into the typewriter. Then type. When you get to the end of the line, pull the carriage back, the paper goes up a line. Oh, I always love that little bell. If you make a mistake, use Tippex and move the carriage back and type over it. Once it's dried, of course. Or just put XXXXX over the misspelled word and type it again. People didn't care so much in the past about perfect pages of print. How the hell am I going to order anything from
0: Amazon or pay my bills if I can't use the apps on my phone? Suddenly, I'm poor. I can't shop. Oh my God, I can't shop.
3: Some smelling salts are in order, I think, Cora. She'll be fine. You can put the money you save by not buying useless stuff on Amazon in a piggy bank. Or put a simple kettle on a gas stove and have a nice cup of tea.
1: So did you take his advice, Cora?
2: I did. I mastered typing on on a typewriter, a mechanical one from 1967, an Olivetti. um, Denzel lent me some carbon paper, some Tippex, and showed me where the old library is in South Mims. He even lent me his roller skates.
1: And you wrote your poem for Professor Duke's class? I did. Would you read it to us?
2: Sure. OK, Boomer, she whispered. Her fingertips smudged with ink, ink from the blood-red half of the typewriter ribbon. She smiled and gently touched the black half too, black and red smudges on her thumb. Perfect, she said. And her nervous fingers tapped out the letters, painfully, then fluently, then achingly, with the desire to make each letter live boldly on that paper. Now, now I really feel like I wrote something. Then, just for the sake of it, she pulled the carriage back to its starting point. The bell rang. She loved that bell. Every time a typewriter bell rings, an angel writes a poem. She whispered.
1: Well, that was lovely. I'm sure Uncle Denzel loved it.
2: I'm not much of a poet, but um, well, he said he had a tear in his eye, especially because I referenced his favourite movie, It's A Wonderful Life.
1: I noticed that. So what did you learn from imagining a modern-day Carrington event?
2: That every generation has its own unique technological memory and its own ways of looking at the world and and judging what's, what's right or wrong or normal. But we can learn from each other. No one generation is better than another, whatever happens in this world. In our families, in our communities, we're just together now in this moment in time. So let's just be together and enjoy learning about each other's skills and ways of seeing and engaging with the world. We don't have to wait for a solar flare to do that.
1: Wise words, Cora. Very wise words. Thank you. And now it's time to power down and log out.
2: (laughs) OK, Boomer. (laughs) Yes, well, I deserved
1: that. And dear listeners, please explore all the other subjects we have on offer. And however you use technology, take the time to be human, no matter how old you are. Goodbye.